changed my context on certain things or, or further enforced it. And I was like, you guys are in the 90s saying it, it's crazy. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hey, Right Club Nation, it is Sarah Larby here. And before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? Well, that's our Right Club online community. It's a place where you can find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. And we've got interactive forums, all the podcast episodes, hours of videos, a wide range of real estate investing training and education tons of great information it's free to join be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com now on with the podcast welcome back to another episode of the right club podcast i'm alfonso slemmy and i'm here with my co-host sarah larvey how's it going sarah i'm doing awesome alfonso how are you doing great doing great you no know, trucking along we're you know good uh, good almost two months month and a half into the new year and so many more opportunities so many new things are coming up and available uh, with the right club with our own investing uh, portfolios and strategies and today we are talking to a true powerhouse in the industry and you know across multiple industries Robbie Clark he's going to talk a little bit about you know owning several businesses how he's able to tackle these huge goals and these huge accomplishments that that, uh, that he has with the team members with the people that you are surrounding yourself and how you can kind of uh, you know get smarter by the things that you do each day just small little things every single day right yeah. so I mean yeah. he so I mean for those of you that don't know Robbie Clark I would say just add him on Instagram I, he is you know sharing all this knowledge that he's accumulated but he has started really from scratch right he was broke and, and built uh, you know he had money then he lost it all and he built an empire of you know, I want to say they, they've got at least a couple hundred properties at this point in time, a golf course, e-fresh meals, um, and many other businesses. And uh, it's just so exciting to see, you know, what he's doing and just setting the bar and also just like helping others. And uh, I'll tell you, he's very humble. Uh, and, uh, you know, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. It, uh, it is very enlightening. And I'll tell you some of the books that he reads. I mean, this guy reads like four to six hours a day. Uh, he gives us some great titles, write those down. So I always say this one, you want to have a, a pen and a piece of paper and, uh, and I hope you enjoy the podcast and don't forget rate and review our podcast as well. And check out the for much more of this, uh, in between the podcasts that you guys listen to. So Alfonso, shall we, uh, bring Robbie in? Let's do it. Let's get to the podcast. Robbie, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing really good. I'm excited. I mean, every time I talk to you or see something that you're doing, you're going bigger and bigger and you've got, you know, new projects on the go. And guys, if you don't know who Robbie Clark is, I, I, I would suggest that you follow him uh, and you've got lots of, of great insights that you share with us on Instagram and all those good things. But maybe just share what you've been up to this past year amidst COVID and then we'll go back to how you got started. But if, if you can just share with us like your, your success that you've had or what you've done amidst the, the shutdown, uh, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, like anybody, it's been a challenging year, but I have a, a very uh, difficult time saying that it's been bad or complaining about it because I know, you know, restaurant owners and, and retail um, uh, workers and owners that have just been completely shut off and they've had it so bad that I think anybody complaining about uh, anything else is kind of 
you know, silly. Uh, obviously, we had some, you know, issues on some work sites. Uh, we actually implemented our own safety procedures uh, when the government announced, okay, if you are having opening work, you know, opening work sites or, or open work sites, sorry, that, um, uh, you know, you'll need to um, make sure that you're living up to all the safety precautions and having, you know, sanitizer, making sure there's not a lot of people on sites, making sure, uh, you know, it's, it's permitted sites or vacant units. Um, and, uh, and just being really careful. And fortunately for us, since we do so many uh, multifamily residential uh, projects, um, there's not like, you never have like 10 or 12 guys on sites. So there's a lot of people working, but typically it's a few guys on site or if it's an electrician, it's him and, and one person. And we made sure not to double book trades. So, uh, and we also, we had it, you know, knock on wood, um, but we had a couple like, you know, people get sick. And then of course we would, you know, send them home and they get tested. Fortunately, nobody, uh, Nobody wanted up testing positive for COVID, but we were very, uh, very careful with that. And because we work closely with most of the cities we're in, we wanted to be respectful of them as well too, because they had their inspectors going in. You got to keep your distance. And if they go in there and see that you're not, you know, you're not caring about the, uh, uh, the bylaws and the new, you know, I don't want to say legislation, but the new rules that have been put in place um, to protect people, then, um, then that's a problem, right? So uh, we were just very cognizant of that and just kind of made sure that we we did everything we could to keep people working because again trades need to work as well too our staff needs to work you know um we've not been in the office so we were doing a lot more remote work and uh, you know it's like the time to, to renovate the office as well right now too but it's um it was a challenging year but i can't say like it was, it was, it was a good year in terms of uh, the business because we didn't have shutdowns like other people and we were able to maintain and, and grow and adapt like we do and that was just the biggest thing, making sure that we were able to keep uh, moving forward while um, being responsible as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. And I wanna key on two words that you said right at the end there is that grow and adapt. And I think, you know, when I, when I look at the Right Club community, you are one of those um, one of those people that I think, you know, one, one of the best at that, at growing and adapting, changing, putting those systems uh, and organizations in place. You own several, several small businesses, uh, you know, several employees having different funnels. Sometimes, you know, I can't even imagine your brain some days, right, of, of thinking of all the different things that are going on, right, with, with, with multiple businesses um, and, and having those systems and in place, being able to adapt is, is such, such uh, an important, uh, important facet in your life. So, you know, I know you recently, I, I, I love, I love your Instagram. It's one of my personal favorites uh, that, that I follow out there. And, and you, you put out your recent, your 2021 to-do to do list. And honestly, like I looked at that and I was like, oh my God, like I got anxiety and I don't even have to do any of it. That's all you, man. Right. But that was a um, cool, that was a cool list. Can you share, can you share what was on that list? Cause I was looking at it. I'm like, wow, this like you're playing in a different sandbox, you know? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. You know, and uh, I was a a little reluctant at first because I don't always like to post, like one of the things I do on my stories, like, uh, and you guys know me offline a little more personally and some of the, you know, issues and struggles that, you know, any business owner has that I've been, you know, open with you guys on. And so what I always hate to do is, you know, I struggle putting like actual monetary things uh, on there to discourage people, right? Like the other day I showed, you know, my girlfriend's stock portfolio and some of the gains that were in there and a few stocks joking around. But I'm always clear to like, you know, white out the actual amount. I like to do that because it's not, that doesn't matter whether you put a hundred bucks in 10,000 or a hundred thousand in, it matters if you made the right decision. And, you know, I look at myself as like an asset holder, someone who's, you know, accumulating more assets over time. And that's what I always try to tell people. Like when I started uh, buying assets, when I was still working at the restaurant, uh, I would buy coins of silver and I try to buy a couple a week. And it was like 15 bucks at a time, you know, or not 15, but like a hundred, 200. It wasn't, you know, but you can start small and you're just accumulating and it gets those good habits in there. 
because I've always been a terrible uh, saver. That's why SID stands for spend, invest, diversify, and not save, invest, diversify. I tried that for one day and I was like, no, nah, can't do it. Um, and so I'd always have to like put it back out. And so, yeah, it started small. And even with real estate, the, the first deal I did, we got four partners together and we put, you know, $2,500 together each um, and, and uh, or five of us. And we, you know, bought a $120,000 home. We did, we grinded it out. Right. And that's, uh, and that's okay. And I hate to, uh, you know, to discourage people and think like, ah, something is unattainable because truthfully I've done my best work uh, with, you know, coming from nothing, like when I've had everything taken away from me and, you know, poor credit and, and no money. And that's when I've done my best work because I've had to be uh, the most resilient. And there's always a solution no matter what, because everybody starts, people start at different areas, but I find the ones who've got to struggle for it the most or maybe have had it and then lose it, but have the ability to come back. Those are the ones that can really persevere. And I, and I hate, so I said, I just hate discouraging people on that. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And that's one of the things, you know, I'm working with some guys now and they're like, look, you know, look at the reaction on that. You, had, you got a good reaction. So, you know, I didn't do it necessarily to boast because, um, uh, you know, it, it is my targets. My team knows my targets. The people around me know my targets because I hold myself accountable. And I know there's, a, you know, a lot of sayings like, okay, move in silence and whatever. And that works for some people, but, you know, I'm a communicator and I got to get it out there and I need to hold myself accountable. So I like to put those things out there. I don't care to who. And I don't care if somebody thinks I'm not going to do it because I'm going to do it. And then it, that actually motivates me even more. Right. So uh, at this point, I'm fortunate not to get a lot of uh, hate, even if, you know, everybody looks at things a little bit differently. And I just try to change people's perspective on things. And even the people who grew up with me, they know I have no formal education. Right. They probably know me in high school and they look at my stuff now and they're like, what the hell is this? Is this Rob? Like and I can imagine, you know. Uh, I, I like doing that because I, I don't have anything to hide in that regard. So, I mean, the goals uh, to get to that, one of them was to, you know, uh, get to 350 million uh, plus in holdings. And now, although I put that 350 million out and, uh, uh, I, you know, it's not necessarily, that's the amount with the amount of properties that we want to buy and what we think the end valuation is going to be after we, uh, after we renovate them and create that value. But of course, you guys know, it's not like, we can't just buy those properties, right? And it's like, okay, but what are you dealing with all the tenants? Well, we can't just buy a bunch of properties with tenants, you know? And so we pick up a lot of uh, uh, residential properties and even single families and, and whatnot because they are vacant and we can immediately add value to them. And that's really the only way that you can scale uh, that way. And of course, you have to be cognizant of the current market. I mean, the market's been going up, so it's been, it's been tight. But, you know, we continue to go to areas that are still uh, flat. Like I know you guys know we're, we're, we're heavy in Sudbury now, but we're actually heavier in other parts of Northern Ontario than we are even in Sudbury right now. Um, just because it's, it's, it's competitive, but it's still a very cheap market there. I just like to be in the, in the flat communities in general. Like we were in St. Catharines 2012, 2013 and beyond. And it was flat for three, four years. We were forcing the appreci appreciation up by going in there and doing the work that nobody wanted to do. And that's where the real value uh, comes in. And so, you know, part of me, and I'm still doing stuff in the in Southern Ontario, and I feel like, um, like for new investors, I think it's I think it's great for old investors. It's great for people who want turnkey assets and feel comfortable with the cities. Now it's great in Niagara. Um, but you know, one of the things I like to say, I mean, <laughs> I call ourselves fluffers at times, right? Which is, you know. One of the names I use that for is because honestly, we have to be in there before the developers get in. The developers need a certain price per square foot before they can even go in there. And so I feel like it's our job. We're the guys going in and finding all these depressed uh, properties and actually putting in that work and putting in that money in order to build it up uh, for the community themselves. And uh, also to, like I say, fluff it up for when the developers can come and really start to 
to add more value there. But if you don't have the fluffers, you're not going to get the developers, right? <laughs> and I don't mean that inappropriately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's, um, that, that's kind of a, a, a big deal for us and a philosophical thing. So I feel like Niagara has that now and we're still doing projects out there and a lot of them are very large. Like you have to like, you know, rip a roof off and, and put a second story addition or convert, you know, as a project Dylan and I are doing right now and converting it to an eight unit. We got a, a 20 unit apartment building out there that we've got some permits on. So th there's, um, you know, it, it's bigger moves out there, but we're always trying to do the maximum value. There's going to be a time in Sudbury where we're going to have to rip a roof off to, to create that value as well too. But right now in the North, you can find uh, attractive assets that are just so far below the price of build that is almost negligent not to invest there. Right. And, yeah. uh, and that's a, a big thing. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation, it's Sarah here. I wanted to take a moment and talk to you about private money for mortgages. As you've been building your real estate team, it is critical that you have a good source of private money, both for borrowing, but also to lend out should you want to make more money on your money. Have you been perhaps turned down for a mortgage or reached your max capacity in your borrowing power or... Are you buying distressed properties to burr or to flip that may not initially qualify with a regular bank type of lender? Or maybe on the other hand, you have money that you wanted to loan out on your terms rather than making the measly percentages that the banks are offering you. Well, Private Money for Mortgages is actually a boutique mortgage brokerage that specializes in private mortgages for both borrowers and lenders. And Susan has over 25 years of experience in real estate investing and her brokerage specializes in connecting borrowers and lenders to one another. And she's got many solutions for you. She says, when the bank says no, we say yes. So reach out at one 800 9320437 or 519-342-7295 or visits privatemoneyformortgages.com and that's the number four. Right Club Nation, remember as you build your real estate portfolio, chances are you will come to a point where bank-funded mortgages are no longer an easy option. Or you may need a short-term loan for a first mortgage for a flip or a burr or maybe a second mortgage to consolidate debt. That is when they can help by providing different types of solutions. And also as a bonus offer, Susan said, mention this podcast when you connect with her and her team, and they will cover the cost of an appraisal for you to a maximum of $500. So either call at 1-800-932-0437 or 519-342-7295 or the website privatemoneyformortgages.com. And now back to the show. So, so value. I mean, you, you said so much stuff, like let's, let's, let's dissect some of it. I think first and foremost, you know, thank you for being, you know, real and, and honest and, you know, sharing what you can, uh, you know, with others, because I, I think it's inspirational and I don't see it coming from a bragging perspective at all. I, I look at you as somebody that's, you know, really built an empire, your whole portfolio. And just for context, I mean, we're talking about hundreds of properties, your whole portfolio where you had nothing and you built it from scratch and you took significant risk, but calculated risk to get to where you are today. And, uh, and, and so I, I think, you know, I think that's, I'm, I'm super, you know, excited for, for, you know, what, it, what it is that you're going to be doing, because a lot of the stuff that you do, I mean, it's, you know, it's thought, it's, it's thought out, um, you're, you're very, 
uh, meticulous in, in how you do it. It's a team. Of course, it's not just you. You've got other people around you. Um, but I, I do want to go back to the one piece because you're talking about Sedbury, you're talking about St. Catharines, and you're talking about setting uh, setting new, you know, costs per square foot. Now, now, so are you saying that what you're doing then is building, renovating or whatnot, selling these properties, resetting that new value at that point in time, because something gets sold and then essentially clicks into a comparable. Is, is that how you're, you're strategizing that lift? And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'll give you an example in St. Catharines. I remember back in like 2015, 2016, we were, we were going in and we were kind of following the, the Burr model uh, before Burr was really a thing. I didn't, you know, I didn't know the term Burr at the time, but we did know that, you know, you could, you could add value to homes and then, uh, you know, refinance the capital out or at least the majority of it. Right. So, or, or, and that's what we were always going for. So there's this one area and we were in called Facer and there's about, you know, say 500 homes or whatever in the area. And uh, we sold like four or five properties to help pay for staff and buy new projects because we've always, I've always had staff. So it's always been treated like a business. I say there's nothing passive about passive income. And, uh, and we've always treated it like a, a business that I wanted to scale at, at property five. I had a, I had a property manager, not because it was profitable, but just because the vision was always there to, to do that. And, um, and so we wound up selling some of these homes and, you know, we did, we did okay. We might've made 60,000, 70,000 uh, profit on, on some of these homes, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, but it all went back in, right. To paying staff or to, to buying new properties. And so we would have been buying maybe single duplexes, probably around 160 to 180, selling them off around 350, 375. And I remember, you know, we had a neighbor come up to us and was like, you know, we want to thank you guys for what you're doing. Cause last year we got our property appraised at, you know, hundred and 170,000 and it just appraised for 315. So they sold it and retired and they moved to Florida. And I was like doing the math and I was like, well, imagine we sold on five different roads here. We bumped the value that much. And this is before the market got hot there too, right? So we're like, if we did 100,000, 100,000 times 500, that's $50 million of unlocked capital. And the biggest problem with these, these towns and cities that have been neglected for 25 years, we, we have very high home ownership in Canada. And these people were told by the government and everyone to buy homes. That's going to be your best investment. And, you know, if a market's been flat for 10, 25 years or they owned it in the 1990s, you know, it turns out that that is not quite a good investment. And the renters actually did better than them because after property taxes and everything else, these guys wind up losing money on their homes. And when in the early 90s, it might have been a couple thousand dollars to, you know, redo your, your, your front uh, deck. Now it's or, or front porch. Now it's going to cost you 15 to 20,000. Well, that's, you know, 10% the price of their home they can't afford to do it and you know every um every market in developed nations i truly believe uh, you know prove me wrong here uh, but if you don't have the real estate uh, at the cost to build or higher you're in a recessionary environment and i say that a lot right so uh, you're really doing you know the government's uh, help in, in when you're going out there and renovating these homes and, and increasing the value we're not going to toronto and making it more unaffordable which is you know kind of the speculation area uh, when you're below the price of build, you really can't even put a value to land, which is why the developers can't go in there because you couldn't give them land to build because they can't resell it. Right. So right now, most of the North, for instance, has no value in the land. And it's not even a place I would recommend some places in the North new investors to go, although I, I like it just because sometimes you're going to be battling the appraisers in these smaller towns who have not seen appreciation in 20 years. And that, and that's an on, uh, going battle, right? We have volume and, um, uh, and we can sell, um, you know, as well, but, it, it's that is the struggle always like when I went into St. Catharines initially with the appraisers they were like why are you putting money in here right and you're like well because we want the value to increase and they're like well it's not going to happen 
And you're like, you lived here. Why do you not want this? Right. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of the, um, the struggle you get. Whereas in the GTA, you, you almost know if you're going to get an appraiser and you're like, I dumped this in, I'm going to get that. So I don't want to say it's an easier game because it gets more competitive wherever the sizzle is. You know, you're dealing with bigger money out in the GTA uh, and more speculation. But that's when in those areas, Toronto, that's why you see drops in areas because they go be, they go to the speculation. It goes beyond the price of build. And now you're speculating on the land values because it's, it's not in sync. It's like, okay, it costs 250 to build this condo, but it could be a million, right? So uh, I, I try to take a macro view on it and look at it almost like a stock or something else where it's like, okay, well, is it, a deep, is it an undervalued asset? And, and you, you can find more of them in those areas that haven't, uh, haven't had as much attention. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation. We want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce you to a longtime supporter of the Right Club and many members of the Right Club Nation, Mr. Dylan Suter of Elevation Realty. Dylan, take it away. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We, as Elevation Realty, are the sponsor for the real estate slot at the Right Club, and we have been attending since the second Right Club. We are an investment-focused, high-volume real estate team serving the Golden Horseshoe from Oakville down to Niagara. If you are looking to increase your cash flows or you want to find an incredible opportunity, we deal with builders, we deal with off-market opportunities, as well as we are very creative and negotiate the best deal for even on-market opportunities. We've helped a number of clients with the right club, find flips, single-family rentals, duplex conversions, three- and four-unit renovations, all the way up to large residential buildings with high cash flow. A little bit about myself, if you haven't heard, personally, I've scaled over 300 doors in the last two years, which has given me a ton of experience in analyzing all the deals that may come across my desk for you. So if you're interested in learning more, please reach out to us at 905-592-4220, or you can email us at admin at elevationrealty.ca, that is admin at E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, and let's sit down and create your investment dream portfolio. Guys, and I have to say, I stand behind Elevation and Dylan. They found me. My last few properties have done an amazing job. 100% recommend them. So thank you for all your hard work. Now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. As you're saying that, I'm thinking of that scene from Jerry Maguire, right? Where Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding Jr. is like, help me, help you, right? Like, show me the money, right? That, from, from, from that scene. And, and yeah, you're, you're trying to, you know, you're, you're on that the, kind of the leading edge of that wedge when you're getting into these new markets and, and helping all those people around you. And, you know, they can't see it in their hometown. Sometimes it is. I remember I moved away from Hamilton. And then when I moved back, I'm like, Hamilton, investment. What do you mean? You guys been to Hamilton? I love Hamilton. Don't get me wrong. But then everybody's like, oh, it's the, it is the new hottest place. So I'm like, wait, Ontario, Hamilton? Anyway. But again, it's, it's getting that mindset for, for people that have been there for so long. Sometimes they don't see it as that. And then coming in with a fresh set of eyes. So I, I, got, a, I got a question for you because, again, you, you have so much experience. You know, your, your portfolio is vast. There's several companies and businesses that you own. Um, and maybe someone listening to this is going, well, Robbie, you sound way too busy. That sounds nuts. I never want to have that 100 properties, 200 properties, 350 million. No, that, that's terrifying. And then we maybe have some listeners that are like, oh, my God, yes, get me on the Robbie program. I want to, I want to be doing that. So maybe try to answer this for, for, for both those mindsets or, or somewhere in between. But what is something that 
maybe that you would always do again that, you know, whether it's St. Catharines, other markets, other businesses that you would do that. You said, no, that's something that is, you know, never going to change. That is a principle that we live by that we're going to do in, in all of our companies, all of our businesses. And then on the flip side, what's something that you would never do again that you're like, no, that was a mistake. going to stay away from that. And I'll let you kind of go in the order. Cause sometimes we, we always remember the things that we shouldn't do again. Those are easier to remember. Right. <laughs> Yeah, those are abundant. Um, the biggest thing I always focus on first is value first. Uh, value over profits. Value first, profit second. Because if you're offering value more than you're, you're focusing on the profit, then you're not going to have uh, an issue getting the sale or getting a tenant or getting something else like that. And I always find, yeah, I'm okay with the late gratification because I've been broke more than once. So it doesn't, it doesn't phase me. And I've had it and at a young age, you know, I've done, I've, I've made seven figures as a, as a child actor and spent it all. I've done the bottle service. I've done that stuff. I've been semi famous and gotten recognized. So that, that stuff doesn't, um, that's not why I do it. Um, so one of the biggest thing, the, the biggest thing I do, you know, is read and, and educate and continue to go after it. I feel like education is the most important thing. I feel like, you know, wouldn't happen again, but if everything I had taken away from me, I would just do it in six months instead of, you know, multiple years. And, and that's really all knowledge-based. And a lot of it, like, you know, if you want to uh, get into scaling and do that, my focus is more on running a business than it is um, uh, than it is spe specifically just real estate. I don't read a ton on real estate, but I read a ton on building businesses and, and uh, the tycoons and, and different industry leaders that may have absolutely no real estate. And to me, it was about building a business and then trying to figure out how that worked in real estate. Because I, you know, I... I've laid drywall before, but I'm terrible. Like I can't paint, I, you know what I mean? I'm not a good contractor. And there's so many things in there that I'm not good at. I feel like I'm good at building businesses, but you know, it takes a lifetime of work to become an overnight success, right? I've been, I've been trial and error for years and years and years and I lose it. And then, you know, you make mistakes. I just, you know, I, I go with the saying, you know, hey, I, I will dig to China with a plastic shovel. Like I'm not going to quit. So it's impossible to, um, to stop that. And, you know, problems are, you know, business is nothing but problems. So if you want big goals, you're going to solve big problems. And I know people sometimes say that, but they don't understand it's nothing but uh, problem solving. That's all a business is. So one of the good things, you know, people are like, oh, you're busy, you're busy. I'll be honest, the less I do, the more I do. And what I mean by that is like when you can, I've never had an issue delegating responsibility. So if you say well, some of the mistakes I've made, delegating too many responsibilities to people who couldn't handle it or thinking that they could and being almost too optimistic about the outcome. And I would overlook things that I knew were an issue in my business, but I was so optimistic that I was like, well, this will make up for that. You know, especially with personnel and people, because if somebody's not on the wavelength with you, right wavelength with you, that can ruin everything. So, you know, we've hired property management, we've underpaid property management, and that property manager will cost you six figures in six months. And then you're like, hey, I'm not doing that again. So you hire the right property management, you know, with a paralegal background, it's just someone, you know, who's experienced and can get it done. And that follows suit with everything. If you cheap out in, in those areas, it's going to wind up costing you a lot more. And then training new people is extremely expensive. And then you got to get back in there and do it. So I've never had an issue delegating things that I don't like to do, because there's a lot that I don't like to do. And uh, I'm a terrible manager. But truthfully, I, I read, you know, I actually counted this week because we're like, yeah, how much do I actually read a day? And between audiobooks and articles, it's about four to six hours a day. That's the majority of my, my, um, my reading. So, you know, last year I was, I struggled to say I was managing. I say I was mentoring managers at that point. But now we've built like even over the past, uh, I'd say past year, really, we've built up an executive team. So now like my, my stuff comes to me on a report on Friday. 
I don't look at, I'm not making the home sales. Our agents are right. And, and they have a, they have a, um, uh, a guidelines that they have to stick by and they can't, you know, uh, venture away from that, but it actually makes them better than me offering because I'll do things, you know, on, on a gut instinct. Right. So we had this one offer like five months ago. I remember one offer went with an agent and I wound up turning it down and, you know, so many properties going on that, a, you know, a week or two later that wound up coming on our plate again. And for some reason I made the decision to accept it. And it was the same price, pretty much the same information presented to me, but I made a different answer and the right decision was to buy it. So my first answer was wrong. Uh, but, you know, I, I gave a different response based on, I don't know, my mood. Maybe the, the agent said it a little bit differently because we have multiple agents. And right there, I was like, you see, guys, having me in here is not a benefit for you. It's, it's you know what I mean? This is, this is not good. So, it, you know, I understand that. I want to put the onus on them. I like them to run. I want them to be confident in what they're doing because I'm not full time there. How can I ever be as good as you? You guys know this better than me. So I can help with the vision and the fundamentals, but that goes from the property management side to the trades. Like I don't, um, I don't deal with the trades because I don't know what they're talking about half the time. So, you know, we have a, a few site supervisors and a project manager. We're fortunate to have, you know, uh, uh, three people with engineering degrees on, on our team, like a couple of our site supervisors, but our COO is an engineer as well too. And so, you know, that, um, Working with people like that and understanding your strengths and weaknesses is extremely important because that, that's the only reason I'm able to do it. Like eat fresh meals, same thing there. We, uh, you know, I got a, I got a really great team there and I, I have one meeting a week for that, but it's uh, it's run by an executive team that's much smarter than me and what they do. They've been in the food industry for 20 plus years. They've worked with, you know, good food, chef's plate, and the list goes on and on. And, um, and so, you know, in any company, same thing with the landscaping company, we have an incredible general manager, we got a great team there. So that's really the key. I'm terrible without the right team, like, I, like terrible, because I'll keep going. And if the, if the team fails, then they're failing everything. So really, the key is, is for me as a team, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Team is super important. And just for perspective, I mean, how many businesses do you have? Like, I mean, obviously you have the real estate acquisition business, but can you, can you share with us the other businesses? I know you mentioned eFresh meals. That's another one there. Yeah. So just in the, in the real estate, we obviously have a team of, uh, um, my team, like this is the smallest one, but the uh, three agents roughly that we work with full time, sometimes some wholesalers as well too. And, uh, and then we have, uh, our property management, uh, company as well too. And then we have, uh, our, our renovations company, which is really, um, more of a, uh, uh, a management company as well, too. Like we have a, a couple in-house uh, guys for some, some maintenance. Um, but for the most part, it's management. And we managed, you know, 32. Right now, I think we're, we're running on 38 active sites. And we're doing daily site visits on each one. And um, so it's managing, you know, 100 plus subtrades at any given time. And that's, and that's the key to our business. We operate like, our de like developers, really, right? Because uh, you can't do everything yourself. I've had a ton of guys on payroll before for labor. And then that last week takes you a month and you don't make any money on the, on the home. So you, it's much better to manage people and hold them accountable. But even that takes a lot, like to implement our, our CRMs and whatnot. You need, you need, you know, the executive team to get to the management, to get to the staff. And it, and it takes repetition in multiple, uh, uh, multiple meetings a day. But um, the other companies, eFresh Meals. We've also got a, you know, that's been around for about five years. Then we have the landscaping company that's about 500 year round clients, Lawn Care Alert, that's been around uh, eight, eight, eight plus years now is 12, two or something. My girlfriend runs a commercial and uh, residential cleaning company with 20 full-time staff members. I don't do anything there, so I'm just taking credit for it, but uh, I don't do anything there. Uh, and um, 
uh, we bought a golf course recently uh, that closes next next week. I, I need the- to know more about that, but I'll let you finish first. Then we got to talk about the golf course. Yeah, for sure. I recently, one of my passion projects is mixed martial arts. I love mixed martial arts. So I bought a uh, um, uh, an old media site that hadn't been run in a while, insidefighting.com that we're going to be releasing. And then we're actually starting a, an MMA event uh, in the springtime as well too. Uh, those are passion projects. But again, I'm going to help bring in the executive team, but the person running it is much better than me. And so it's a former UFC fighter and he's much, uh, much more knowledgeable about the sport and knows, uh, um, you know, knows how to put, he's thrown events before and he knows how to put it together better than me. I'm just adding a little, you know, spice at the end, if you will. So uh, those are the ones I can think of right now um, that, that are, that are on the table and currently being worked on. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, as you're, you're naming them up and for those that are just listening to this podcast, you know, when, when Sarah asked, you know, how many visits, Robbie was kind of like looking up and kind of categorizing, but, but I know for sure he's in that every single day, understanding the models and systems, what does people need so that they can run the systems, putting them in the best positions possible, whether it's financing, whether it's contacts, communication, you know, if it's support for that day where they hate, you know, they're not having that great of a day, giving them that motivation, talking to them, letting them put them, putting them in the right position. I think that's what it's about right having the, the models the systems so that it is repeatable predictable every single time whether it's e-fresh meals whether it's the mma or or the golf course that we're going to talk about right now which is super cool um yeah it's having those those things that are predictable and that you can repeat it so that it's not just off the whim because that can last but not for long that's like putting newspaper on the fire you get a nice big beautiful flame but it's gone. You want to put the coals on the fire, the big logs, and get those running in nice warm fire. So I know Sarah's chomping at the bit. Robbie, tell us a little bit about the golf course. I don't know. I've, and, I've and been golfing. Where, and where it is. And also, can we do a right club event there? Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah, no, they hit on that last note, the Alfonso. You, you hit the nail on the head there, right? Like, we're there for support. And the best thing you can do is, is try to support to the best of your ability. What can I do to make you successful, right? And, and you got to have that mentality in order to... Uh, to be successful. Otherwise, people are not going to do anything when you're not there, right? And that's uh, that's the key to it for for sure. So you definitely hit the nail on the head there. But um, uh, yeah, no, the golf course is in uh, in Mark's Day, Ontario. So it's uh, we haven't officially closed. I mean, I'm sure they can look it up from there. But, uh, you know, the reason we got that, honestly, was because this kind of happened when, when COVID went down. We actually, we agreed like last summer or spring or summer. But, you know, it was one of the industries I thought was going to do well. And um, to be honest, I was surprised it was still for sale. And uh, it was 200 acres. They had just done the back nine, like four or five years before that. And there was a couple of things on it. I was like, there's a potential development play. Like I wanted to see if there was kind of a renewable play or something we could do. Uh, unfortunately, right now, there's not uh, the, the most of the subsidies in Canada ended like 2018. For, uh, for renewables to make it affordable to really do it. Doesn't mean it's off the table. You got Biden back, which probably means, you know, printing from the skies and green uh, green energy everywhere. But, but you know, I just saw an opportunity in there and I saw t- 200 acres as well at a good price. Um, and, uh, you know, Ryan, Ryan, our president, really likes uh, golf as well too, right? So it was kind of a, I, I don't forget how it came up, but he was like, oh, we should buy a golf course. And I honestly just went online and looked and I saw that and I was like, well, this looks like a great starter uh, golf course if we wanted to go into it because I had an idea which I won't say because we haven't implemented it but how you could acquire a lot of golf courses uh, creatively um, I can't even say more because it's, I don't want to give it all away but the but this was a great uh, golf course to start at and then I had the idea of like hey let's build out the clubhouse let's uh, let's um, do a golf simulator so that we can have year-round access and also I knew that there was a potential to, to develop on it which you know, we've been in touch with the uh, city as well, too, and, and the engineers, and we've put together um, 
uh, a plan to, to do a development on there as well too. Uh, not as many homes as we would have liked, but it doesn't really matter. Any homes is, is fun to do out there. And uh, we're still ironing out the details because we don't officially own it yet. Um, but yeah, we are looking to do a development on there as well too. It was already, uh, you know, uh, profitable. It wasn't losing money. And so uh, the risk was actually marginal considering people, oh, a golf course, the risk was actually, uh, it's very low risk. Like most things I do, I consider almost like very low risk, right? And, and you know, this, this scale and there's things that, that is uh, risk involved in it, but consider, you know, not much risk uh, in my head for, for the purchase. Awesome. Well, congrats. I mean, that's exciting. And, uh, you know, anything, anything, um, that you do, I'm sure you're going to, you know, make it awesome and, and bigger, like, uh, like everything that you've, you've, uh, you've been working on recently. I do want to go, go back though, and, uh, ask you what you are reading. Cause you mentioned you're reading four to six hours a day articles, you know, have there been like maybe a handful of, of books or, or, um, whether it's podcasts or, you know, audio books that you can say really changed your thinking if you had to pick your top three? Yeah, listen. Um, so I, I say that reading changes your context. I'll read everything uh, that comes up. So it's tough for me to always like, I'll say something sometimes and someone's like, oh, you, you know, split the difference or never split the difference. I was like, oh, maybe that's where I got it from. Right. But I, I don't recall like what book I got it from because I'm just trying to absorb everything. Right. And, um, you know, it, the people who can, great, but that's not been the, the way I've been able to do it. A few of the good new books that I really like, The Sovereign Individual, that, and, and here's an interesting one. I usually don't like old books because they're not relevant, especially with, you know, the amount of technology and everything is, is, uh, is changing. The Sovereign Individual, uh, it's not even about real estate or anything, but it's a very, very interesting book that relates to things that are going on today. Some of my posts on my stories and stuff actually relate directly to that book. I'm like, oh, that's where I got it from. And out of all the books I've read in a long time, that one uh, changed my context on certain things or, or further enforced it. And I was like, you guys are in the 90s saying that it's crazy how relevant that book is uh, to today. You be, it, it talks about, you know, online, uh, the internet of money and, and uh, the sovereign individual. And, you know, a lot of what I post about, you know, with the private businesses doing their own uh, laws and rules, it, there's, a, there's a lot of things that hit on it in, in the sovereign individual. And, and it backs it with historical data. And historical data is funny because we're in such a different age that sometimes it, it relates, sometimes it doesn't. So you got to pick and choose. But I was very impressed with that. Um, Green Lights was a recent book, Matthew McConaughey. Again, not really, you know, real estate related, not even really business related, but come on, Matthew McConaughey is, you know, super cool. And, uh, and he had a really, he has a really good perspective, um, really good perspective on life. Uh, what do we got here? Thinking in Bets. That was a good one. Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke, a professional poker player. She's also a business consultant, but she had a really cool way like being like, listen, business is a bunch of bets. It's a bunch of calculated bets, really, right? And you're constantly making bets every single day. She uh, writes it a lot better than I can say it. Uh, but those are a few recent books. Some older ones I really liked. Uh, the Tycoons really talks about the Industrial Revolution. That's a good one. I started off with Kiyosaki, like most people who go hard in real estate. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, read every single one of those. They all roughly say the same thing about seven different ways. And they're feel-good books, too. And, that, and they make everything seem easy. And that's one of the things I think I, I, I would say that I do well is breaking down big ideas and making them seem achievable or, or easy, right? It's not like, oh, purchasing three, four million a week. It's like, you know, as opposed to being, putting up the barriers as to why we can't do it, it's like, why aren't we doing it? You know what I mean? And just changing the perspective there. Because if you can make someone 
you know, feel crazy for not purchasing that amount, then, you know, uh, you've probably done, probably done a good job. Yeah. No. And, and Robbie, you know what, you, you, you do a great job of conveying that to, to, to us, to the audience, you know, you, you are a really great communicator and inspiring uh, the, the different things that, that you're able to do with, with, the, with the businesses, with your own personal life and, and, and those big audacious goals that, that you're, you're going to tackle. And, and uh, for sure, the, the right club is there to help support you as you are and I always have supported the right club. So um, I appreciate yeah. That. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. So I think we've um, gotten to the part of the uh, the podcast where it's the lightning round portion. So are you ready? Uh, are you ready to start the right lightning round, Robbie? I'm ready. I'm ready. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right, here we go. Question number one, Robbie, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Uh, don't quit. Don't quit. Are we looking for quick answers or? Yeah, whatever, whatever you want to provide. That's perfect. Don't quit. It's never. It's only over when you quit. So don't quit. It's never over. That's, that's a don't quit and start easy. Start small. You don't want. You don't want to get too many obstacles in front of you. Problems are going to be there. So uh, make sure you don't discourage yourself easy. So you know, start small, start quick, and don't quit. Yeah, absolutely. And another part that I want to add in too is, you know, and I want I want you to take this as a compliment, as because that's what it is. Is that you're not afraid to fail. You're putting those big goals out there, putting them out there for public consumption on, you know, Instagram on the social platforms, and you're going, hey, you know what? If I get to 340 million in real estate holdings, hey, that's not that bad either, right? So again, not not being worried to, to fail and, and and get those goals and put that out there, uh, and don't quit till, till you get there or the goal adjusts or changes. So to what your needs are. So, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to rephrase this question just a little bit, but what is your favorite resource, right? Is that, you know, you know, is it a, you know, you read a lot of books, there's trainings, there's, there's events, there's personal growth stuff. What's what resource that you're like, that's, I love going to that. I always learn something when, when I'm paying attention to that. For me, it's audiobooks because nobody controls uh, when, when you're doing that. I would say for new investors, honestly, coaching. And, and I don't offer coaching and I don't do coaching, but I say coaching because that would have helped me on my learning curves is learning from someone who's done it one, two, five, ten times. That would have been super beneficial at the beginning, um, you know, and, and that, that really would have helped. And uh, like I said, it's not even like, you know, I've got. I see that a lot at events where people go it. People will go to the events and then they, it's almost like they want to be at the event and then they don't take the action after that. Right. I remember going to an event with Dylan in, uh, in Florida and I asked him like, what is their conversion rate on coaching? And it was so small. And I was like, you know, all these people spend this money to go to the event and then they don't do anything after they go back home and they're like, Oh, you know, I had a good weekend and you know, I met some people and it was great self-development, but then it, it's tough for them to make that next step. And I think that, um, you know, at times, and in that regard, having a coach there to help help uh, help get you motivated and make hold you accountable, right? I used to be able to work out all the time and thought I was an athlete. Well, guess what? I need a personal trainer now to get me in the gym most of the times. And and having somebody there to hold you accountable and uh, reaffirm 
your your confidence and uh, get rid of your you know turn down your weaknesses and stuff like that can be really beneficial awesome great answer number three what is the one attribute that has made you most successful um a <laughs> psychotic belief in myself and um a no quit attitude and i've had an unfair advantage of this as well too growing up in the film industry and working with some incredible people you know growing up around uh, you know any woody harrelson julianne moore alston twins drake like all these all these people help shape and form my opinions on what's possible and what's not and when you grow up around people like that it's pretty impossible to think that things are impossible right so I love it. It's only impossible until you do it, right? So that's... Uh, th that's and somebody's always done it before, right? Like in almost every scenario, somebody's done it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if they can do it, why not you? You got it. You got it. All right. Last question of the lightning round. What are you doing on a typical Sunday morning? Uh, pretty much the same as Monday to Friday. I'm uh, going to Starbucks, which is taking an incredibly long time to get through the drive-through lately, but I'm getting a cold brew, whether it's summer or the winter time. I'm driving around for a couple hours and listening to an audiobook in no particular areas. Uh, I'll take important calls if I need to. I might turn on some hip hop if I'm feeling under motivated, you know, and, uh, and, and I'm reading and then I'm, I'm getting to my calls. I come back to the house right now at around 12 or one o'clock. We'll make some of my calls if I have any afternoon meetings and whatnot. Uh, I know I'm giving you my whole day right now, but, uh, and then, and then around three or 4 PM, I'm trying to work out and get it in. And then at nighttime, like we will have, you know, 90 day fiance the other way or something playing in the background, but I'll be reading articles at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? I'm a normal human, you know, and, and that's the thing. People think you gotta be outrageous. I think learning and knowledge is the key to success in anything because you can, uh, you can be more efficient with your time and others. If you, if you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you mind if I ask where you're getting your articles from? Like, are you using an app or is there a specific sites that you read articles from? Yeah. So uh, Yahoo Finance, uh, I'll go on Yahoo Finance to read some of the nonsense on there. Sometimes I'll go, uh, I'll Google certain things. I'll go to uh, Bitcoin.com. I challenge anybody to go to Bitcoin.com and read three articles a day on cryptocurrencies just to understand it, whether they like it or not. Um, likely within a week, you'll, you'll, you'll be on that train as well too. Um, I get articles sent to me. One of my good buddies, Matt Marks, he's a, he's a savage in his own right. And he, uh, he'll he send me random weird articles on tech stuff and things like that. Dylan will send me some stuff. A lot of my partners send me some stuff. And and so uh, anywhere, I'll, anywhere I'll absorb and, and read just about anything. Awesome. All right, Robbie, where can the right club? And the right club. <laughs> where can the right club community reach out and find out more about you? Uh, so my, my, honestly, my Instagram is probably the, the best way it's at Robbie R O B B Y W, uh, Clark. Uh, we got a lot of big things, um, in, in the works there. I think it's the best, um, uh, it's the best app right now for me to get, um, my content and my stuff out there. I really, honestly, I give business advice. Some of it can be considered life advice. Uh, it's not necessarily real estate based, although I, I put a lot of real estate stuff on there. It's, it's a, a lot of philosophy as well too. And just kind of, you know, I'm not political. I'm atypical, I say, right? So it's, uh, I, I'm not, I post like facts and I don't really get political about things. It's more just, okay, hey, here's, here's what I'm seeing and here's what's up. And I like to share that with other people as well too. So uh, Instagram would be the best. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, Robbie, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Always dropping some amazing information, uh, you know, inspiring education, you know, putting those models, those things that are repeatable and predictable uh, so that people can implement them in their own lives. Any last words of advice or wisdom for the Right Club community that you want to leave us with? Uh, 
you know, like I said, start, just get started, just get started, find a coach. Uh, if you're, if you're apprehensive, because I get that from a lot of new investors, like, oh, you know, I'm looking for this. And I contacted an agent for a burr and I'm like, well, okay, you and everybody else. Right. So, um, that, that's, that's what I would recommend. Get started, get started small. Don't try to be too creative and, and, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Think you got to hit a home run on the first one, just get started because you got to start the learning curves. And from there, if it's too easy, great. You can always get yourself into some harder problems, right? That's not going to be an issue, but get in there and make sure that you can handle it and get to the next step. Awesome. Robbie, thank you so much for being on our podcast. It was a pleasure having you on. I, I always have fun with you guys. So next time we'll do it over a couple glasses of wine, but appreciate it. Thank you Sounds so much. Good. Cheers, guys. I love this podcast. There's so much great information and it's just inspiring to see Robbie go and, uh, you know, just create that next, that next goal for himself and, and achieve it. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's just great to see also like how humble he is and how he's been able to do this really from scratch. I mean, he, he built the empire. He didn't, you know, have anything handed over to him and it's just through perseverance and grit. Um, any takeaways, Alfonso? Yeah, there was one thing that I picked up and uh, and I actually wrote it down. And, you know, it's when, when you're building the business and, you know, maybe you have some good cash flows, maybe it's a good month or a good quarter, but that delayed gratification, right? And we're living in a world where it's instant gratification now. Like Amazon can't deliver the next day. What? It's a disaster. This is the end of the world, right? But that delayed gratification where, hey, you know what? You've done well. well let's roll it into two quarters. Let's see if we can roll this out for a full year. Let's add up three or four or five years together and getting that and, you know, delaying that, that gratification. I'm not saying, you know, don't reward yourself along the way. Little goals, little accomplishments, reward that, celebrate those wins. But, you know, for to get those big things that you want in your life, delay that gratification and, uh, and get and pile up those wins by versus just, you know, win and then, you know, on to the next. So that, that's what my takeaway. How about you, Sarah? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for me, it's just interesting to see how he puts managers in place, gives them the ability to manage the businesses and he can really take a step back. And this is an example of somebody that is working on the business rather than in the business and just tries to find the best people to, you know, put into the right positions so that he can really be focused on a reading and, and that just that bigger picture. So I think that was really interesting. I mean, there's lots of things that were interesting, but that, that'd be my, my one key thing if I had to pick just one. Um, and, uh, and guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast, right club community. Thank you for tuning in again. And Alfonso, what do we say to the community? Come grow with us. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.